Hey, it's Margot Tantow here. Welcome to Windowsill Chats, a podcast for creatives and the creatively curious. I am so glad you're here. I've spent decades working with artists and being one myself. I've spent time in the trenches, figuring out the best way to get something made, how to put oneself out there, how to get your work noticed, and pull yourself up and face the next challenge. Windowsill Chats brings you creativity from a global perspective, as I talk in depth to friends I've met along the way. I'm here to bring their stories to you, as well as a few of my own, and see if there's anything you can pull out for yourself. Maybe a laugh, something you can relate to, and definitely a little bit more community for your quiet corner. So grab a cup of tea or coffee or a glass of wine and join me over in my sunny windowsill. Yes, I need your trouble. Like I need a friend. Won't you come and sit in my windowsill? Windowsill Chats listener. I am so glad that you're here today with me. Thank you very much. I have a lot of fun today because my guest, Heather Donahue, is also our Windowsill Workshop presenter this month, and I'm super excited about that. A little bit about the lovely Heather. Heather has been crafting since childhood. These days, she's making vintage-inspired Christmas stockings and tree skirts from felt and sequins and all sorts of other creative commissions. She creates original content and craft projects for companies, including Handmade Charlotte, Benzie Design as well. She's mostly worked through being an introvert and now loves leading craft workshops. They usually include sequins and treats. Heather's work has been in magazines, on stage, and online. Select pieces have been available at John Darien and Company, Quirk Gallery, and at Parcel. Her craft lab is in Minneapolis, where she lives with her husband, their lovely twins, and her Cavalier King Charles Spaniel. Heather and I go into her history. She's had some fascinating jobs. She's been all over the place, and she's been inspired by vintage and other makers her whole life long. And we'd love it if you'd join us for Heather's Bejeweled Felt Tree Ornament class, December 17th. So grab your paint water or your tea, whatever you're sipping on, and join me in my lovely windowsill. Oh, I'm super excited to have Heather on. And you know, thanks for being here. Heather's doing a happy dance. I'm really glad you're here. I'm really glad to be here. It's pretty meta because I spend a lot of time listening to windowsill chats. And later I'll listen to this episode and wonder if my voice really does sound that weird. <laughs> Isn't that wild? I know before we hit go, you you were saying that you really have listened to nearly the since the get go. I love that. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. I will never forget the moment I met Heather. We were at Alt Summit, which is a wonderful conference that is now coming back again. This was pre-COVID and I had never met you before. No, I remember. So I walk into this Procreate class, because I've been using Procreate on my iPad for a while. And uh, boy, there are sure a lot of pens. And sorry, they're not pens. They're called brushes. And in Lisa's world, they're called 
Pardo brushes. I wanted to learn how to use them better. And I start walking into this classroom and it's filled up with people because it's going to be a great class. And I see Margo and I'm like, I believe that is one of my people. I'm going to go sit next to her and figure out who that is. Cause that's what you do. That's what I do at Alt Summit. Well, that's what you're supposed to do at Alt Summit. Like you see your people. Absolutely. And I was trying to think, were you wearing a hat? Because generally I don't like the hat wearers at Alt Summit, no, but there I- are some exceptions. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I have a very funny Saturday Night Live meme to send you that I found yesterday about hat wearers. No, I was not wearing a hat, but I am a hat wearer, but I am not that hat wearer. So Heather, how would you describe what you do? I am a vintage Christmas enthusiast. I'm in my 50s, which means I grew up in sort of a prime felt sequin stocking and tree skirt era. Yes. I grew up with four stockings on the mantle that my mom made with a little backup help from Graham because I guess when you have kids sometimes you're too busy to do crafts or as many as you might like yes so I think that just seeped into my little brain and I always loved them I never really made stockings until years later at some point you probably didn't in high school think I'm I love all this stuff and I'm gonna (laughs) I'm gonna just go so did you go on and do um you know, expected post high school kind of college kind of work stuff and then and just have art on the side? Or did you always make it more important? I had free reign to kind of do what I wanted for college. I always knew I was going to college, but it was never like, you have to become this or that. I mean, my grades weren't incredibly awesome anyway. So I just kind of did what I wanted in high school and got decent enough grades to go to college. And I was pre-business at University of Wisconsin, Milwaukee mm-hmm. for a couple of years. And I was in business because that sounds businessy and right. like you'd earn some money and learn those job skills that will clearly fill your soul. And basically, I didn't like the people in my classes. I'm like, these people are just like, these are not my people. There's something about crafting with felt and sequins and glitter and glue and all that that creates holiday deliciousness that there's nothing negative about it <laughs> there's i mean when you're doing it if you've chose chosen to do that you're like oh this is going to be this is going to be a fun reminiscing afternoon yes it's a pretty easy entry point like young to old can do it i love how your brain works last week or recently you had um just mini trees that you were making into earrings. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I hadn't thought about that. There's so I can't many. get enough of bottle brush trees and wreaths. Just like And now they're so much easier to come by than they they were in our youth where you had to yeah. just dig through and and you, it was such a treasure to find a vintage one. Yes, I still treasure those. I have a collection of miniature pink bottle brush wreaths. And you know, they're pretty oh. rare. So my collection expand or includes about four of them but oh I cherish them so (laughs) I love 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 vintage Christmas I mean I I mean I designed and was creative director for a Christmas company for years and I wouldn't not have much new on my tree my tree has always been I just love the look the patina the colors it was not red and green I mean yes there was red and green but there was everything else and I agree I grew up in that same era and just so wonderful and quirky. And and I also love the really old German um, or Austrian, you know, those beautiful wiry spun glass kind of 
ornaments you can get as well. But it's right. I just love that you bring all these things to life and and that people can find them from you. It's fantastic. So when did you lean into that? I think what happened was about 20 years ago, I worked for Martha Stewart. I love Martha Stewart so very much. I was on the website side. I knew I wanted to get out of the Midwest for a while. And I was thinking New York or Paris. And this was mid nineties. And I'm like, well, it's going to be easier to go to New York. So I moved to New York, taught myself HTML. Wow. Took a Photoshop class, took, uh, you know, just some other computer classes that sound Cro-Magnon at this point. So I had those skills and I kept just trying to figure out how to, how can I code HTML for people? And finally I figured that out because the world started to figure out Wow. Oh, we, we need HTML coders. So I was a, a website producer, project manager for years, and I landed at Martha Stewart as a website project manager on the Martha by Mail website, like to pour some wow. out. Oh, remember That's those catalogs? So cool, yeah. And obviously online website, which I was Were doing. you down on, was it 26th? with that fabulous office building, right? I was. I was there when they were moving from Midtown to Starrett, Starrett Lehigh. Wow. What, I mean, working at that company is, uh, I mean, I just loved it so much. And it was just, you know, you had to bring your A-game and doing this in New York. And uh, it was just, it was amazing. Of course, I would, it would not surprise you to learn that ultimately I wanted to be in the craft department well, and yeah, I, you're you would have been perfect in the craft department at Martha Stewart. I I tried. I uh, well, it's a selective small group, and I tried. You know, set up like I put myself out there. And I'm like, this is my dream. I need to I need to go talk to Hannah Millman. Did that? And, you know, yeah. She, she called me a. We had a nice chat. She called me a a true crafter. I'm like, I think that's good. I mean, I'm like. I'm surrounded by RISD grads and she calls me a true crafter. Is that good? But that's what the magazine was full of. Yes. Well, crafty RISD grads. Yes. So I really tried and well, that didn't, that ended up okay because on top of my full-time plus, you know, this is like New York kind of hours where you're like nine to five, hilarious and charming that you would think that I would only be working nine to five. (laughs) So I was around and near all this craftiness and I'm like, yeah, oh, it's, it's craftiness is boiling back up in me. I need to, I need an outlet. I need to make things. I need to put them on a website. And so I, I did that and I would reach out to stores and people and wedding planners and just talk about uh, wedding favors or at stores, you know, jewelry and ornaments and things like that. And I had some success here and there, but without social media. I mean, mm-hmm. as you know, social media is such a game changer. As much as you know, we right as much complain as about like yeah. I don't, I don't know who's been holding my phone in front of my face and making me use Instagram <laughs> all day. Oh, it's me. I'm home. Oh well. But what a game changer! Because that completely changes everything. You can be connected to people anywhere in the world with Wi-Fi. Yeah. yeah. So you have still now a great retail outlet in New York. Do you still, do you have John Darian still? Did he order this year? He did not order this year, but he ordered Darian. last year. And so some people has, might have seen your work few, there. That's true. He has a few of my stockings hanging up right now. 
are you inspired by things you've seen or do you have ideas like for the fancy lady ornaments? Are those just wonderful ideas you you've had that you or have you seen them somewhere? They're so cool. Thank you. That just came out of my brain. So the fancy lady ornaments are inspired by the little spun cotton, pressed cotton head ornaments and whatnot. We had a an ornament on my Christmas tree when I was growing up where it was a little angel with a pre- pressed cotton head and she was under a glass dome. And every year that thing just was so magical until I don't remember, or maybe I've blocked it out, but at some point the glass broke, but we still have the, oh. and she's got a blue foil dress and it's a very rare ornament. Yeah. And occasionally I'll see other ones that are from the same time frame that are like spun cotton head, but it's a different like it's a Santa or something like that. So, um, so stuff like that has just, I don't know, it seeps into your brain at a young mind at a young age and you just. Well, and your stockings are just amazing. It must be really fun to do the custom ones. Like I'm looking on your website at some that are, they have all the vintagey feel, but they're very contemporary. Like the Tara one with the cute girl and the flamingos and the glitter tree. So how do how do you manage the time of making? Because since your things are, I mean, to get technical, fourth quarter, like, do you, do pe- people don't quite get it the rest of the year? Or do you say, I'm only making these now in February. So you have to order them and think ahead. Like, how do you, how do you kind of manage your, your time? That process is evolving because this past year, I finally got a Shopify website. And so I'm trying to figure out like, okay, what what products have I been making for 20 years that I want to put on this new website? And like, for example, I don't know if you saw that I was making these cotton and felt uh, mushroom ornaments. Yes. Like red and white stripes and polka dots. like that. Thank you. So I've been making a version of that for 20 years. And I'm like, well, I... I have old pictures of those. Do I want to put those old pictures up? Or I think I need to make a fresh batch and reshoot those and make a fresh product page. And so that's what I'm doing. So when you go to my website now, it's like, there's not a lot on there. It's because I'm doing that with existing products. And also that bottleneck I created for myself where people would be in touch and be like, you know, I really want to talk to you about custom stockings or a tree skirt. And I'd be like, I am booked this year, but thank you for your interest. (laughs) One of the things I'm excited about is that you are joining us for the December windowsill workshop. And we get to learn how to, we get to some of this heatherness in, you know, in visual, in virtual person, I should say. What are your, what, what are you excited about, about that? That is super exciting. I'm going to be leading a workshop December 17th where we can all hang out and sew sequins to felt together in the shape of a tree. So December 17th, you might think it's right before Christmas and I might be busy. Yeah, but, you know, shipping deadlines have pretty much passed unless you're really last minute. And maybe sit down and hang out with your people. And there are some people I've been friends with for years who I've never talked with them in video and like I've I've seen still photos of that friend for years now (laughs) and boy (laughs) she likes a lot of vintage things too but we can like hang out and chit chat and make some stuff I think that is going to be so much fun I I can't wait what are people going to need for materials for that because which leads me to also where 
do you find your materials? Do you have you been hoarding vintage supplies forever? I don't know. Is my husband listening to this podcast? <laughs> I my collection has collections. I don't have a hoarding problem. Yeah, I've been collecting for years and well, with felt, I always start with new felt because I don't want secondhand felt because of the ick factor. Like, that's a, that's a good point. Yeah, new felt is a good idea. Yeah, new felt is a great idea. So yeah, so vintage sequins, yay! Vintage felt, no, thank you. So I um I'm a fan of estate sales, and if that doesn't, I know that's not easy for people to like. Yeah. I don't have time to go early and pick up that number and stand in that line and go in the house, but you could do this on weekends sometimes too. But yeah, so I go to some estate sales, I go to antique malls. And one thing that's great about having put my shingle out into the world, people gather this stuff and send it to me just as gifts. Because wow. they're like, I feel like this craft kit needs to live with you. I'm like, thank you. I think you're right. And, but in some cases, you know, it's funny because some of these craft kits have been unopened in the package since 1972. And then it gets sent to me and I'm like, yep, I'm probably not going to open it either, but I enjoy looking at it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's a constant, that's the fun thing about it too. It's, it's a, it's a constant search. Like you can always have your eye out for a pink oh. bottle brush wreath or some right. vintage sequins. Well, yeah, that actually reminds me. Do you know the store in Minneapolis called Hunt and Gather? Oh, I used to have a booth there. So that would be, yeah, yeah. So that you know, be, that yes. that, yeah. So that, so you know how magical that place is, and I feel like their tagline is "Find your treasure." And so that's another. If you thing. can, yeah, dig. Yes. Oh, it's, and it's, it's magical. Christmas time over there right now, and I, oh, they had a a sip and stroll last night, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I don't think I can make it, but. That place. I mean, even even in the middle of summer, it's magic. But right there's now, there's no place like it. There's no place like Hunt and Gather. I can't even begin to describe no. the layers of deliciousness. And like, I don't people. You didn't need to cover the walls in this fancy, flat, shimmery garland stuff that I've never seen anywhere except here. But you did, and we love you for it. God, it's exactly. you know what I'm talking about that weird. It's like. The stuff they have is like blue and silver or something. And it looks like flat, fringy stuff. Yeah. I, yes, I digress. But I, my sister and I went to a vintage show last weekend and there were these old street signs that they were selling at night. Like, I just don't have anywhere to put it in my house, but it was that flat stuff and it was wrapped around a candy cane thing. And it was on a whole stand that went on a street pole somewhere, but it was that uh, longer flat garland and it was lit. Yeah. I know. It was amazing. Oh, I, I would have loved oh. it, but no, I'd left it there. Yeah. That's, do, do you feel like when you see stuff like that, maybe not that, that sounds huge and incredible. It was awesome. <laughs> but I find I'm getting better at this, but I go to an estate sale and I feel like some of the stuff I feel like I need to give it a good home or rescue it or get it in front of the people who need to adopt it. Like, yeah, <laughs> I know that's a problem. <laughs> get it in, but I have, I have literally, I have had so much vintage Christmas, and I have, I have a friend in Minneapolis who, when I was moving, she, because I called Christy at Hunt and Gather, and other people like, how do I divest myself of these forty? Give it to Heather. Christmas yeah. before I knew you. <laughs> So I did, I have sold a lot of it, but I, I, I love it so much. I, I do. So I'm always looking for it or 
I shouldn't say I'm looking for it. It it finds me. Finds you. It catches my eye. I love it. So what is one piece of advice you'd give someone starting out wanting to do, or maybe not even starting out, but just thinking, gosh, I wish I could put this little passion of mine in front of people in a different way. Stop thinking about it and just start doing it. And then after you've done some things, don't just sit in your hidey hole and like, I don't want to show anyone until it's perfect. Yeah, right. I think of all the time I wasted. Like it's, it's an iterative process, whatever it is you're bringing out into the world. You need to make some things. And well, in this day and age right now, just put some things on Instagram. You'll start to get some feedback. I mean, that's that's a great place to start. And uh, from there, reach out to some people. And if you don't know how to do that or, you know, just, just think about it for a few years until it bugs you so much that you get off your hindquarters and do it. Like one of my dreams was to see my things at John Darian. And so that's what I did. I'm like, one, one year I gathered up the nerve to say, can I have your buyer's contact, please? And then I got an email and I kept it with me and I thought about it for another couple of years. And then finally I used that email and well, finally led to, well, you know, we just emailed a little bit and I'd like to say I didn't just come out of the gate with like formal line sheets and everything else. Cause maybe you don't want to start there anyway. Right. You want to start with, you know, you, you're talking to the right person, quick introduction of who you are, just keep it brief. We're busy. Maybe a couple of pictures, but nothing too crazy. Cause you don't want it to be like, okay, I have an email from someone I don't know. And there are these attachments. Well, that seems dangerous. I'm going to delete it right now. Right. <laughs> so, you know, just, just reach out and sometimes it can turn into stuff. I love that. I, I'm glad you said that because I think one of the things that really works is who's the buyer and let's nurture that relationship slightly. Let's just say, I'm going to send you these, you know, things or just chat and it can work because that buyer job is to find cool things and if you have cool things mm -hmm. it could work it, it could be a match and that reminds me of, so going back to one of my inspiring people crystal sloan sells her spun cotton things at john darian and other finer boutiques and i've gone ahead and just asked her you know we've kind of compared buyer contacts at the better stores and she was able to answer those questions like Who's at Bergdorf right now? Yeah. You know, so I know who I'm talking to. And no, my things aren't at Bergdorf yet, but but hey, Bergdorf, here I am. That's right. You never know. What does success feel like for you? Does that feel like just really great feedback or a pop-up full of people or a day spent like exactly in the way you want to spend it? What does that feel like for you? All of that sounds right. I mean, for many years, it was, I only need Martha Stewart's approval, and then I'm done. Pack it in. Still, I'm always open for some Martha Stewart feedback. She, yeah. actually, she actually has held one of my stockings in her hand in real life. And Love that. Did it change my life? I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's a, I wanted her to look at my things, and she seemed to like them. So that's, There you go. I want to build more travel into my practice and you know, like going to Europe to doing to do something creative. Does that sound interesting at all to you, Margo? Just a little. <laughs> but so, you could, you could, I mean, you know, it happens. That's what people do. Like artist residency. It's one option, I should say. Kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've been kind of percolating 
these sort of well, things. I love that. And you said earlier on that you didn't maybe expect that you would like teaching in front of people, but that you do. So you can lean yeah. into that maybe a bit. Funny, because I never wanted to be a German teacher because people are like, what are you going to do with your German? Are you going to teach? And I'm like, yeah, no. I just felt like a room, a room full of people who mostly don't want to be there and feeling introverted. So I wouldn't want to do that anyway. And I had this weird conception that I didn't want to teach kids German because I'm not a native speaker and the accent wouldn't be perfect. And then I think about many of the German teachers I've had over the years. I'm like, uh, they were Americans who learned German. <laughs> you go, <laughs> and, then you go to, and then even, you know, you go to Europe to speak German and depending where you are and sure. near Switzerland, uh, it sounds different no matter where you are. So uh-huh. I'm just being dumb. I was just being, uh, making up. I was boxing myself in. I'd be like, anyway. Maybe you could teach how to do what the beautiful creative things you do in Germany. And mm, actually, in German. Another thing that I've had floating around the back of my brain is like, well, I love for the idea of foreign workshops or even domestic workshops. Also, yes. But to go to like the Erzgebirge region in Germany where they make all the tiny wooden ornaments and whatnot. Well, that's the thing. The history of this craft is there's so much of it there. Mm-hmm. And Christmas markets and all that stuff. I'm like, what uh, if you did a tour, Heather? Because you're good at finding out who people are and connecting with them. Mm-hmm. Connect with an old family of makers, and you can go visit. You can see what they're doing. You can visit the holiday markets, and then you can create somewhere. <gasps> I'll sign up for that. I have to go. Oh, nice. I I have to go to. Oh no, I have to go to Germany to do crafts and buy Christmas things and it's uh it's business. <laughs> I say plan it. So that kind of stuff. That kind of stuff, yes. That's very cool. The iteration where we are now with your fab vintage Christmas. Um, when did that come to be? Who knows? I don't know. Let's see if I can find <laughs> this information in my brain. I guess I would be the most <laughs> equipped to have this answer. Well, my my mom made Christmas stockings for mom, dad, me, and my sister. But we had these four stockings on the mantle that were made from kits, mesmerizing to me looking at them every year. And that lodged in my brain. And when I was a newlywed, I made stockings for Nick and myself. And I thought I would like to turn this into a business. But of course, I spent like forever making those stockings. And so that was probably one of the starts of this Christmassy business. And I would do a couple in-person sales. Like I remember some, I remember doing a craft sale in a school basement and it was okay. But if you're going to do a craft sale, what you got to do is also talk about it on social media. We did not have that then. That's true. You had, you relied on your. It makes a big difference. Neighborhood. So at this point, what does a typical day look like for you? Do you kind of do you have orders coming in do you have a routine well it's december right now so it's kind of all hands on deck and also perfect time to ask yeah also i'm self-employed so those are my two hands on the deck (laughs) yes (laughs) hands feet head so right now i tried to plan ahead and not be cramming everything at the last minute and i didn't (laughs) think i was but then stuff comes up 
Yeah. Well, and I would think too, it's kind of tricky because when you could be making a head other times of the year, people aren't thinking about it. People do tend to not think about it until late in the game. And then you're, you're left to scramble. They slide into my DMS in October and like, Hey, I'm like, I'm sorry. My customs are closed for the year. Yeah. yeah, These take a long time to make. (laughs) So do you, during the year, do you tend to make a lot of ornaments so that you then have stock for this time of year and then you have some special or you save room for special orders ornaments stocking you know stockings tree sort sort of that like do you build up your your stock during the year or how does that work for you that's what 2023 is going to look like i hope what this year looked like was people who had been on my list for a custom stocking or trees I finally reached out and said, okay, I am ready to take your orders. And some people went in and talked to me about what they'd like. And we put it, put down a down payment. And most of these people follow me on Instagram for a while. And so they see the process. So they kind of know what it entails. Like these very custom stockings take about 10 hours to make. And they're, they're fine with that. And if you don't want that level of complexity, I make more straightforward designs where I've just come up with this Christmas tree. Do you like it? Nice. Would you like your name on the cuff? Also nice. Yeah, those are very nice. Cause I, I feel like custom is, I mean, your custom stockings are amazing and we will obviously post pictures um, on social and, and there'll be lots of links in this, in the show notes, but um, that can't be everything. Cause like you said, they've, they've got to take a whole lot of time and an effort. And then you have the fun, I don't know. I love being able to do my own ideas as well as what other people think I should be doing. So I would imagine that plays in strongly for you. Yes. So this year I finally spent some time making a fresh batch of designs that I came up with 20 years ago, like fabric mushrooms with felt stems or just, I mean, I've got a, I'm sitting among quite amongst quite a craft stash here in my craft room right now. And I've got things that I picked up at an estate sale 10 years ago where I'm like, that's going to be an ornament one day. And some of those things became ornaments. Other things went back into the stash because now it's December and I'm trying to finish up. Do you find yourself still loving what you're doing? Yes. Awesome. That's the key question, isn't it? Whenever I hear about people like, I don't know what to make next. I'm like, really? (laughs) Brain is empty. Mine's so full. (laughs) Not of anything. You know, it's full of things like pink tool and shiny ornaments. That's just what my brain looks like sometimes. So if you have, if you're feeling creative burnout, you can just pick another thing to make. And it's exactly, I mean, there are some things where I make the same thing again and again. And I'm like, I could take a break from this particular, making more of this particular thing, but then I'm away from it for a little bit. And I'm like, okay, ready to, I'm ready. I am ready to sew more sequins on felt. There you go. I can't oh, wait to do that. <laughs> yeah, that's good. With fun. you. <laughs> so, I think I might make pink just because I've been making so many seafoam green ones, which I love. But I'm just like, I'm just going to look at a different color for a while. That's I mean, right. It, the, that's the fun thing. It can be anything. And I, I feel too, like vintage Christmas is much more colorful than So I'm curious about how you go about working with companies to monetize your original projects, because I know you've done some of that. So how did how did that how does that work and how does that kind of flow for you? How have you gotten into some stores and and things like that? Back when I lived in New York, 
I would be sure to hit my favorite spots around Christmas time. New York is pretty magical. One of them was John Darien and still is one of my favorite stores. Anyway, that place is magical. And I'm like, you know what? I would like to have my things in this magical store. So at one point I, I worked up the gumption to ask who their buyer was. And I got their email contact and I wrote it down and I put it in one of my notebooks. And then I just sat a sat and thought about what well, didn't just sit I, it was in storage in one of my books for a really long time until I emailed them and I thought let's see do I need to uh you know work up a line sheet or how do I do this I I, I want to hit the right tone I, I mean the store definitely has a vibe and I don't want to be like dear sir or madam so I don't remember exactly what the email said but it was a pretty straightforward email, chill without being disrespectful. And no, I did not send a line sheet. I probably had just a few sentences, you know, who I am, what's the point of my email. And maybe I put a, a small, smallish picture attachment. So it wasn't like never going to be opened in their email box. Cause right. who is this person? And it has an enormous attachment on this uh, email. So anyway, that started the ball rolling. I love that. So you, you lead some workshops. I do. Sometimes in person, sometimes online. I, As I mentioned earlier, I've mostly overcome being an introvert and realized I get lonely and miss people if I spend too much time alone. So while I do need to like recharge alone, but I'm like, wow, being around people and sewing sequins on felt together and this is pretty fun. <laughs> it is pretty fun. I was going to ask, since you mentioned you were an introvert early on, do you have any advice for people that struggle with the idea of putting themselves and their work out into the world? For me, I think it's been a combination of finding an audience on social media, mm -hmm. mostly Instagram is where that happens. And then Alt Summit has helped a lot, that creative conference where you and I met. I always knew before I even went to one of those that some people really dress to find their people. And I found that that is important to me. It's like wearing a business card there. Although who really uses business cards anymore? I keep them around because, you know, when you order business cards, you kind of have them for life unless you're a dress right. changer. Right? But, but you're right. If you're at a, if you're somewhere where you can, where you can show somehow show your style mm -hmm. it goes a long way. And that's the environment. And I mean, in my mind to do it. It's pretty bad. And you, okay. So I have to ask about the show making it. Cause that was that another thing where you thought I want to do that and I'm going to figure out how to apply. Like, how did that come up for you? And what did you do? I did not start watching the show right away. And in fact, I met Robert Mahar at Alt Summit oh. before, before I ever watched making it and he was sitting across the table for me at a craft workshop well i was late to the game watching the show and i wasn't gonna sign up to try to be on the show because i'm like well frankly i think i looked at the application form and recoiled in horror because it was hella long no, <laughs> I, it was. Like, no, I don't want to do that and then i just felt like also like maybe i just felt intimidated and am i qualified and everything else and then i just closed the browser and went and eat a snack. I don't know what I did. I just didn't sign up for it. But when I was at Alt Summit in 2020, one of the producers from the show slid into my DMs and said, hey, do you know about this show? And would you consider trying out? And I'm like, well, you know, if a producer is going to ask me to try out, okay, I'll do it. And I had to, I had to do a craft for 
it's like a, the idea is you have three hours go <laughs> right and, and the three hours go really fast and you're like ah anyway um so i made a cat fuchsia very long neck big eyes rhinestone collar and you know it looks beautiful and stuff but then i see what some of the other people submitted for their faster craft that's what it was for their faster okay. craft so i had the zoom interview with the producer and thought it went pretty well but you just don't know and then right pandemic was happening and so i didn't know searching the internet of anything like is anything going on did they select people are they shooting the next season and then robert mahar posted something about how he was brought in as as uh he'd been asked to come out and help make the next season and so then i slid into his dms and said so season three is wrapped (laughs) okay i guess i didn't make it (laughs) oh (laughs) <laughs> and here's how watch, we, yeah. yeah but then i watched the show and i've watched them all with my kids and you know i love this show now and boy wouldn't that be fun to have been on the show but also hella stressful yeah yeah so exactly i do want to mention i know you're just having a pop-up or you've just had a pop-up at your favorite toy store fair play projects and we mm-hmm. want to give a shout out to them mm-hmm. because that store that get on my radar oh got on my radar because fair play projects make craft kits out of a material called felt i've heard of it have you that's how they got on my radar little projects felt sequins and one one lady lives in brooklyn one lady lives here and that's a perfect match for you yeah so what are some things we can expect from your workshop like, talk about this little fab tree that I can't wait to make. Well, we're going to make a cone-shaped tree out of felt and then stuff it with polyfill and or felt scraps. Sew it up and then cover it with trims, sequins, and beads. And then also add a ribbon or golden string to hang it so you can hang it from your tree or your mirror or wherever you like so making an heirloom yes making a first generation heirloom yes and hopefully you'll love these and you could batch make some for gifts for next year like in the middle of the summer when i'm going to be creating like crazy um you know these very same trees actually great and i had some luck just going to my local um estate sale place and finding some colors of felt that I really loved, but you give some great um, sources in in the product or in the list of things to bring, which you can find on at tantowstudio.com under the workshops. There's lots of information there. And I can't wait. I still need some sequins, but I'm going to go find some of those. And I'm, I'm sure I have some in a drawer somewhere. Just have to find the right drawer. Tell us who are some of the people that inspire you. This is awesome because Every time I listen to your podcast, I'm always like, hmm, who would I say if she asked me? Person number one is Jody Levine of Super Make It fame. Very She's cool. my craft hero. I've been following her career for over 20 years, first at Martha Stewart. And now she creates original crafts and content for the New York Times and more. Amazing. She is a creative genius. So my next person is... Crystal Sloan. She used to be Crystal Hanahan. She's vintage by Crystal on Instagram. And she's kind of a fascinating person to me because she fell in love with spun cotton 
Christmas ornaments and couldn't really find instructions on how to make them. So she figured out how to do it herself. So make a metal armature and wrap it with what's it called? Cotton roving or is that? Is yeah, that just, that's right. Called? Cotton roving. Yeah. Uh, and it's just fascinating to me how she figured this out. She's got a thriving business and her, she supports her family with it. Well, Ben, her husband have uh, turned this into a worldwide They've created worldwide collectors. Sometimes. That's awesome. I can see uh, why when I look at her work. Yeah, it's just just, so fun. Really like, interesting. Yeah, they're just so beautiful. And I just, she just posted her Thanksgiving and a little bit of holiday stuff. And she makes these turkeys. I mean, I already own one, but I see the turkeys in the slightly different colorways. I'm like, oh, how many turkeys do I need? <laughs> Wait, is it a group of turkeys? Is that a rafter? I'm not sure. I feel like uh, that's a good life skill to know what different clumps of animals are called. It's true. There's some really good ones. Yeah. And then my last person is Heidi Kenny from My Paper Crane. I started following her when she was doing plush toys, and I count a few of them among my prized possessions. Nice. Her designs have found themselves on fabric at Spoonflower and lots of print-on-demand products, which is good because... She's now making ceramics, including incredible mugs and platters and such. And she's got such a following that they sell in a snap after she posts them on her website. I love that. She just leads an interesting craft lifestyle. Like she used to throw, I don't know if she still does or just, uh, anyway, she used to do these crafternoons where you're like, I want to be invited to that crafternoon to make that craft and eat that beautiful cake and sit in her beautiful dining room. Yeah. But anyway, we can look at pictures of it. Huh? We're having our own afternoon. That's 17th. right. Mm -hmm. It's going to be so crafty. Oh my gosh, Heather. I love hearing about your twisty turny adventures and the sequins and the inspiration and the dancing yetis and all the things. Thank you Thank so you. much for hanging out with me. And we're going to do it again in person in just a few weeks. So if you're intrigued, for sure, where can people find you on the interwebs? HeatherDonahue.com. And I'm most active on Instagram at HeathDawn. Perfect. So everybody go check out the wonderfulness and maybe we'll see you on the 17th. All right. Heather. I can't wait. Thank you, Margo. Before you go, I just want to say a quick thanks for tuning in. I hope you found something useful to take away and something to make you think. For those of you listening in on Spotify, and I know there are many, you now have the cool option to show your love for Windowsill Chats quickly and easily. From the show page in the Spotify app, you can simply tap to rate it one to five stars. And of course, I'll really appreciate it too if you leave a review wherever you might be listening. See you next week, lovelies, and I hope it's a creative one.